Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. past number of weeks here at the church, we have been in a series titled The Church of Acts, and we've been looking at who the early church were. So the the book of Acts in the New Testament, which is actually like the Gospel of Luke Part 2. They're actually like meant to be read in like one big line, by the way. You read Luke, and then you read Acts right after that. They're meant to be a part one and a part two. We've been, we've been reading through the book of Acts and how the, the early church were impacted, how they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, what they did with the call that they received from God, because it was incredible. Last week, if you were here, and if you weren't, I would encourage you to go back and watch it online. Pastor Charlie uh, brought us a great message on the importance of what it means to be a missional church. And though we believe in, in missions globally, in the sense where we equip and we send and we resource people all over the world, and if you didn't know who the missionaries we support, you can actually go to our website. You can check out all of them there. It's a pretty awesome list of great people. We also believe in the mission locally, uh, because there is over 30,000 people in Stratford. This is a mission field, like your street that you live on is a mission field. And we've heard this from Pastor Chad before, that if every single church in Stratford was to fill up on Sunday 10 times, we still wouldn't have close to enough places for people to come and learn about Jesus. We want to reach our city. A a thought-provoking question that Pastor Charlie had mentioned last week was this. Who is missing, and how do the missing become found? I hope that that's kind of sat with you over the last six or seven days, and you've been thinking about that question. Who is missing, and how do the missing become found? I actually love that question, because it forces us, if we're going to take that question seriously, it forces us to shift our focus from self to others. And I don't want to discredit anything that just happened up here because God was doing a work in our lives. It was a, a personal work. But if we only have, like our influence uh, to, from God at the altar, then we go back to our seat and we never do anything with what God's doing in our hearts and in our lives. This is a waste of time. This is a waste of time. God does not heal you just so you can go back to the same old thing. God doesn't inspire you so you can go back and sit down on the couch. God doesn't equip you and empower you so that you can just keep silent. No, 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 no. Everything that God does in your life, and specifically in these moments like this morning, that we're, I want to I make sure that you understand that, like, that is, it was so good this morning. But it can't end here. So we got to shift our focus to others rather than always just self. The gospel message, really what we're focusing on today is easily summed up by the words of Jesus who said this, Matthew 22 to 37, sorry, 22, 37 to 40. This is the NLT version. It says this, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Take note of that. This is the first and greatest commandment. Then Jesus goes, but there's also another one that's equally important says, love your neighbor as yourself. Can you say neighbor? 
a little, a little stronger this morning, neighbor. There you go. Look, actually, look at your neighbor. Say, hi, neighbor. <laughs> look at the other neighbor. Say, you look awesome, neighbor. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself. He finishes saying this. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So if you had a giant funnel that went all the way of like everything that you read in the Bible, everything that Jesus ever taught, and you funnel that all the way, the tip of that funnel would be love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've heard this message before. You've heard this sermon before that the, our purpose is to love God and love others. You've heard that, right? It's good. I agree with it. Praise God. It's, it's good. It's right. We've all heard that. I want to I dig a little more practically into what that looks like today. So I actually think that this message can be treated like a part two to Pastor Charlie's message on the missional church from last week. And he said something a lot, and I think he did it on purpose, so it really sticks in your head. See if you remember it. The message never changes, but the methods change. The message never changes, but the methods change. Today, we're actually going to focus more on the methods, the practical side of what the Bible calls the Great Commission and how to actually fulfill that. And so the main text we're going to be learning from and reading from this morning is going to be a common one that you probably know. It's titled The Great Commission. It's found at the end of Matthew 29, verses 16 to 20. And these are some of the final words actually Jesus said before he ascended to heaven. It reads this at 16. The 11 disciples left for Galilee going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this— and this is beautiful. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. From this text, we're going to actually observe how there are some important and distinct methods. We've talked about how the message never changes, but the methods do. And there's some distinct methods in here that Jesus actually lines out for us in the Great Commission. So today, I hope that we can learn, be equipped, and be encouraged in what God's actually calling us. And so if I were to give this message a title this morning, you could title it this, How to Neighbor. Look again at your neighbor and say, Howdy, neighbor. Yeah, How to Neighbor, How to Neighbor. Did I say Nader? How to Nader? Like how to John Nader? <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I would be a mess if I was in charge of whatever he's in charge of. <laughs> it wouldn't be good. I appreciate your vote, but it, would, it wouldn't be good. Well, if you've heard me preach, you know that I love to get you involved in talking because I believe that God's given you a mind. He's given you ideas and creativity, and, and your words actually count, and they matter. So we could sit here and listen to me talk for half an hour, but I actually think that your thoughts are valuable. So I want to get you uh, talking with your neighbor, those that are around you. And I would even encourage you to do it with maybe somebody that you don't know that's around you or behind you. And I want you to ask them this question. You got one minute real quick and talk about a story about how someone made you feel like they belong. This is like one of those heartwarming stories. So take one minute with the people around you and ask them this question. How or what is a story about how someone made you feel like you belonged? Three, two, one, go. Awesome. Well, I would encourage you to continue to share stories and testimonies like that. 
how people have made us or how we've made other people feel like they belong. I want to share with you two quick personal examples. One is my own and one is a student that joins our, that joined our youth ministry a number of months ago. So the youth group that I grew up at, uh, that I was invited to as a kid, was called Fuse Youth. Super cool youth names. Remember those days? Yeah? No? Okay. <laughs> we used to have like really random words for youth groups all the time. It was awesome. Anyways, my first time showing up, this was for 9 to 12, and I was in grade 7. So I was two years too young, but I snuck in because a friend was like, hey, they have awesome music, and there's like this skate park in the parking lot, and they have a tuck shop, and if you're new, they give you free chocolate. They give you free candy, and I was sold. I was like, boom, let's go, let's go. So uh, I went there, and it was not free. Uh, they lied. I must have done a one-time thing. Um, and so I, <laughs> I was there with my friend Steve, who wasn't a Christian, and he randomly was there too. And he said, hey, last week, uh, this guy named Mike gave me money for chocolate. I'm in grade seven, so I'm like, I have like no shame. Like, <laughs> I'm totally willing to go up to a stranger and ask them for money for chocolate. They have no idea. Who, and I look way too young. There's no facial hair on me yet. Like, I obviously stick out like a sore thumb. And so I was like, oh, introduce me to this Mike guy. So I go up to Mike. I don't even introduce myself. I say, hey, can I have two dollars? And he's like, why? why do you want $2? Like, well, I, I heard that there's a tuck shop and you can get like chocolate bars, but I don't have any money. So like, can I have some money to go get some? And he's just like, what? Like, this is so weird. And so he did not give me just $2. He gave me double that so I can go get two chocolate bars. And uh, I felt so like I belonged there. That was literally the start of my whole Christian journey because somebody gave me four bucks instead of two bucks. Another one is when uh, a couple months ago, we had a, a new student here at Bethel Students, and uh, it was invited from uh, a friend that attends here. And at the check-in station that we have, kind of like you notice on Sundays, we have this desk and a computer there and a place to check in. And, and so basically the goal is that you can't get through the front doors without being welcomed. That's kind of our whole goal on Wednesdays is like it's impossible to like escape around or like hide or if you're nervous, it's like, no, 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 you're going to meet somebody right away. The door is hopefully going to be open for you and you are going to be welcomed in and feel like you belong from the first breath you take in the building. And I remember the a student came back a week later, and uh, my, my wife had mentioned to me on the drive home uh, that the student was just floored. They were like so impressed that we remembered their name. Like they, they, they showed up, they had a great time last week, and, and then they came in and they're like, hey! And they said their name. I, I don't want to say their name publicly. And they went, hey! So-and-so, great to see you again. Literally, the words were, you remember my name? They felt like they belonged. At Bethel Students, we actually have this like mission statement that, uh, like a funnel, everything goes through. Every event, every decision, uh, the way we spend our money, all that kind of stuff funnels through this statement. And it says this, Bethel Students is a place for every young person to belong and discover God. And so what I usually do with the students on Wednesday is I make them scream that. Uh, and I'm not going to make you do that today, but I want you to remember this as well, because I think it's applicable to the entire message today. So what I need you to say is every young person belong and discover God with some oomph. All right, we're going to try this together. Sound good? Okay. All right, here we go. I don't know. All right. Bethel students is a place for 
Not bad. Okay, okay, not bad. We're going to try one more time with a little more, a little more oomph, okay? So Bethel Students is a place for two and yes, there we go. There we go. So good. Um, well, I didn't, I didn't actually grow up in church, right? Like I didn't go to a youth group until I was in grade seven or eight. And I, I didn't have a family that practiced Christianity. I didn't really know what to expect the first time that I showed up at a youth group at church. And I remember that experience of Mike giving me four bucks or whatever for a chocolate bar. And I remember feeling like I had belonged and now that I've had this privilege for eight years to, to pastor uh, in Waterdown and then uh, two years in Waterdown and six years so far here as a youth pastor, it's been my mission that every single Carlo or whoever that walks through the door would actually have a similar experience, that they would feel like they belong right from the top. So we, we just, that's like literally our main goal is that every Wednesday students would feel like they could belong and that they can discover God. So as we talk about how to neighbor, we got to start here. And that's our first method. We got to make sure that people feel like they belong. If you read through the gospels and you carefully examine how people encountered Jesus and how they were changed, you're going to see this reoccurring theme that they belonged before they believed. Most of them ended up believing, not all of them did, but they belonged before they believed. And Jesus, what he did is he always met people where they were at. Some of these people like, were like hated, right? Like they, he, he met up with tax collectors. That was unheard of. You don't do that. Adulterers. He would hang out with what was called untouchables. So in, in, in New Testament time, that's like people that had a, a skin disease of leprosy that was highly contagious, and so they were outcasted from the rest of population. Jesus hang out with all of these people, and each person whom he encountered, they were actually healed in many different ways, whether in the mind or in the body. But one special kind of healing always happened for every single person that he encountered. It was the healing of that void of feeling alone. And they belonged. Verse 20 from our main text today in Matthew 28 says this, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. This can be quite easily misunderstood, to be honest, because we kind of read it in one big chunk. And I want us to really focus on these words specifically that Jesus chose to use. He is commissioning his disciples at that time, people that were sold out for the gospel. They believed that he was the son of God. And he says to them, okay, I want you, now that you know what to do, I want you to go teach these new disciples, which can actually really only mean one thing. They are to teach people what it means to follow Jesus that have recently put their faith in Jesus. Now that we kind of spell it out, it's not as confusing anymore. New disciples. And for most of my journey as a Christian, to be honest, just blunt this morning, I have personally really struggled with the idea that somehow we have to expect those that don't believe in God, that don't claim to follow Jesus, they're not practicing they're not a practicing Christian. We expect them to somehow act like one. 
Right? Like, have, like I, I'm going to be honest. I have had my moments like that with my friends and with my family that, you know, I expect them to just know better or to live this kind of moral standard. If Mike, the guy who gave me money, my youth pastor, Jeremy, and all the other leaders from junior high and youth were here today, they would assure you that before I was a Christian, the choices that I made and displayed for the world to see did not line up with their belief system. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a laugh line, by the way. You can laugh at that. They, like, they, they, my, the way that I had lived my life before I understood who Jesus was and knew him deep in my heart, my actions and choices didn't believe uh, the same thing that they did. And they actually didn't put this expectation on me to live any different at first. Here's what they did instead. They welcomed me into their life. I got to see firsthand how they lived their life, what the choices that they made, how they lived differently, the things that were important to them, what they didn't run away from, what they didn't slip up on, what they held true. I was influenced by their actions, by their love, their grace, their purity, their humbleness. And all of those things that I viewed and took in over a number of years led me to ask questions which actually led me to hearing about Jesus for real for the first time, which eventually ended up in Jesus saving my life. And then when I had become a disciple, a new disciple, a follower of Jesus, then I was taught how to follow Jesus's commands. I'm still learning. So since we are saved by grace and not works, it implies that Jesus is not expecting those that don't know him yet personally would perfectly follow his commands. But he is expecting that those that do know him personally would follow his commands. Let me read that again. He's not expecting people that don't know him personally to follow his commands. But he is expecting that people that do know him would follow his commands. One of those commands, one of the greatest ones, is loving your neighbor. He didn't just ask us to teach people how not to sin, Jesus actually asked us to show people the same love that he offered us. That same love that you experienced for that very first time. And in turn, when people experience that, and they know that the Holy Spirit lives inside them, the Spirit will guide, the Spirit will convict, which is actually a good word. The Spirit will empower people to turn from their sin. How do we neighbor? The first method is we got to make people like, feel like they belong. Don't, don't push the Bible in their face. Don't expect them to live the moral life that God expects you to live. See them as they are. Invite them into your life. Make sure they feel like they belong and are part of the family. You don't save anybody. I don't save anybody. Jesus does the saving. But we can love. We can extend grace. Second method I want to talk about today is go. Can you say go? go. Jesus's words did not say, okay, what I want you to do, disciples, is I want you to go and bring them to the synagogue. I want you to like find a bunch of people and like bring them to church. Instead, he sent his disciples out on mission to nations where they were. In the book of Acts and onward, we actually see Paul, which is one of my favorite characters and people in the Bible. He actually, Paul was amazing. He was the very first church planner. He planted churches all over Asia Minor and more. And especially, Paul went into places where Jesus was not talked about yet. 
And if you missed the news, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but in January, my role here at Bethel is evolving, it's changing. And, and Pastor, uh, myself and, and Maddie, we are actually heading up a church plant in St. Mary's that's going to be a site of Bethel Church. And so as a staff and, a, and board and, and prayer team, we have prayed for months and and talked about this for a number of years. We've seeked direction and we've found confirmation that God is calling me and Maddie to go to St. Mary's. And we love that we have the covering of Bethel Church to do so. It's such a beautiful partnership to continue to do that. Let me give you a little inside scoop of why St. Mary's instead of Kitchener or Mitchell or those places need more churches too. Don't get me wrong. But why St. Mary's? Why did we feel like we landed on that? There's more than this, but here's four practical things that kind of narrowed it down. Number one, St. Mary's is a town of 7,000 people and very, very few Christians. 7,000 people and very, very few practicing Christians. Number two, there is currently no evangelical church or at least a modern expression of the gospel. Currently, there are some churches that have been there. Um, Living Rock, even though it just closed its doors, Living Rock Church was there for a number of years. And, and everything that we are going to be able to do is going to be on the foundation that they have laid for many years. And we're so uh, thankful for that. But currently, there's no real evangelical expression in the way that we present the gospel here at Bethel in St. Mary's. Number three, it's been expressed to us from members in our church and beyond that that town really needs Jesus. Like, they, they, they really need Jesus. And number four, we believe that God is equipping us to serve and love the town. There have just been dots that God has connected. Um, when me and Maddie were trying to buy a house for two years in the heat of the lockdowns and stuff, we were like, wow, everyone's going to lose their job. Everyone's going to have to sell their house, and things are going to become cheap. Not that we wanted people to lose their job and sell their house, but it, it was in our favor, and that didn't work out. Things got triple the amount, and so for years we looked uh, to buy a house, and it just wasn't working out. And then in the summer, we were able to buy a house under asking in St. Mary's, and that's before any of this was fully confirmed. The things were in the talks and the thoughts, uh, but God had connected some dots, and I wasn't trying to rhyme there, but it just happened. A couple weeks ago, as we were looking at some different venues of, of possibly where we would like to host uh, church services and events, we looked at a few different ones, and, and the idea of storing equipment there is pretty much a no-no, and so as I'm walking out the building, I'm like, okay, we've got we to buy trailer and cases. I get a, a text message from one of our uh, lead guys from what's called the New Churches Network. That's part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada here in Ontario. His name's Dave, and Dave's like, hey, Carlo, do you need a trailer? I got a trailer for you. I was like, it's been 30 seconds. Like, God, you haven't even let me, like, figure out how much they cost. And somebody just wants to give us one for free. And if you've noticed, out in the parking lot, there's a, there's a trailer, a white trailer there that says, like, uh, the, like the City Church Toronto or, or something. And so that came from a church plant. Unfortunately, that closed its doors a number of years ago. But they are blessing us, and they don't even know it. It was just given to us for free, which is amazing. It's like a beautiful trailer that's brand new. We, be we believe that God's equipping us to go and serve that town. And I actually believe that we need all different sorts of churches. So we need big churches. Canada needs some mega churches. We need some small churches that are like 20 people, home churches. We need historic ones that have been here for a long, long time. Like Bethel has been, it's over 100 years, this church. Like it's, it's, it's historic in this town. We need liturgical style churches. We need modern churches. We need rural churches. 
etc. But as any church grows, and we are in a season of growth here at Bethel, it's way too easy to get caught up in trying to become a big megachurch. And again, we need big churches and we need mega churches too, but that is never the goal. The goal is not to just become this giant church in a giant building. And I think if that's the goal, then sometimes we've really lost our focus. Here's what I think the goal is. I think the goal of the church is that God's kingdom would advance. The goal is that God's kingdom would advance and for us, not Bethel's kingdom. God's kingdom would advance. And so one way that we believe that God wants to continue to grow this church, Bethel, is instead of taking, uh, you know, tons of money right now and making this church really big, even though we're bursting at the seams, <laughs> like, like our media people are in an old cloak closet, like we are using this facility to the best of our abilities. We've, we've maxed out and there, there's, there's like dreams about what this church can grow to be, of course. Believe in that, pray for that. But we're not looking to build Bethel's kingdom. We're looking to build God's kingdom. And one, say, one way we see practically how God's kingdom was built in the church of, uh, the church of Acts and, and in the New Testament books and letters that Paul writes is that they went and started churches where there wasn't one. And so without a modern evangelical style church in St. Mary's, we feel strongly that that's where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do. And I want to clarify as well as we talk about going that I believe the invite, hey, come with me to church, come and check out a church. Hey, would you, would you come to a Sunday morning service? I actually believe that is incredibly important. But the invite, like going on mission, it doesn't start with the invite to, hey, you just hopefully show up where I am. It actually starts, the invite starts with genuine love and friendship with people. My friend Tyler who was my friend before he invited me to youth group, by the way. <laughs> like, we were really good friends. We knew each other well. We ate meals together all the time, if you consider McDonald's Happy Meal a meal. <laughs> and we shared stories and memories. There was a depth to our friendship before he invited me to youth group. We hung out all of the time. And on Wednesdays at Bethel Students, last week we just concluded a sermon series titled Real Friends, where we talked about a bunch of different biblical principles of friendship and how that being a real friend, for example, has to have depth in the friendship. It can't, like, friendships can't just be based on common interests that you do every once in a while, but there has to be a depth to your friendship. So a true friendship with depth is actually the open the door to a real practical invitation. The friendship has to have depth. So as you've heard in the announcement video, I just want to recap this. I actually want to personally invite you right now or any watching online to come and hang out at uh, our Bethel St. Mary's uh, Info Nights. There's one on December 4th, 11th, and 18th. Those are all Sunday nights, the first three Sunday nights in December. They're all going to be at 6.30 p.m., and they're going to be hosted at the Pyramid Center, which is a local community center there, and it's amazing. It's filled with people all the time for swimming lessons and yoga and, I don't know, like hockey. Like There's just people just filling that place all the time. So we're going to meet there as well, December 4th, 11th, and 18th. So if you want more information on where we're at with Bethel St. Mary's, if you just want to come and you have some questions that you'd like clarity on, these evenings are going to be great opportunities for you to do so. And uh, we're actually going to work through kind of a book study, and I'm going to be teaching uh, from a book called Irresistible Church as we figure out how we're going to go plant Bethel St. Mary's. We want it to be 
irresistible. That when people get an invite uh, door hanger or they see an invite through social media, that there would actually be like something that's happening in the depths of them that go, I need to go and check that out. And I'm not talking about people that believe in Jesus. I'm talking about people that have want nothing to do with Christianity or religion. That there would be a depth where they go, I just, there's something irresistible about Bethel. And I need to go and check that out. So would you consider the commission uh, to go and see what God will do? Third method I want to talk about today in fulfilling the Great Commission is to pray. You've heard me say it before, but I want you to really lean in on the fact today that like you and I, we don't and can't save anybody. Jesus does the saving. As funny as that sounds, I'm actually really thankful that the pressure for me to save all of my neighbors doesn't rest on my shoulders because <laughs> I've never been able to do it. I've never, like as hard as I've tried, it's just never, ever happened. I, I just can't be God. I can only be Carlo. Gary, you can only be Gary. You guys can only be each other. I can only be myself. God is the only one that can be God. Even though that's true, we got to know deeply that the salvation of our neighbors, though it does not weigh on our shoulders, it does mean that praying for them is our responsibility. Salvation is Jesus' responsibility. Prayer is our responsibility. If we don't pray for our neighbor, and I don't mean pray like when you pray at dinner. I mean pray like it matters, because it matters. <laughs> then, like, like what are, what, are, are we partnering with God's heart? It's like when you take a flannel Sunday card home and you give it to your neighbor and they don't show up. I, I'm thankful that we do that. We're going to keep doing that and investing in those invites and whatever. But are we praying for them, like, regularly? Do you, have you asked your neighbor, like, hey, uh, I know this might sound a little bit weird, but I'm a Christian, and I, I know you guys got some stuff going on. I would love to pray for you. How can I pray for you? There's only one person ever where I've asked them to pray for them and said, no, that's okay. And I went, no worries. It's all good. Everyone else in my entire life, if I've offered them to pray, to pray for them, they've been, they've been really thankful. They've been actually, wow, what, you want to pray for me? Yeah, okay. That would be great. We've got to pray for our neighbors. Salvation, Jesus' responsibility. Prayer, our responsibility. Here's where I learned this and why it matters so much. I remember doing co-op at a, a church in high school, and the youth pastor there, his name was Mike. He's the guy that gave me money. <laughs> He's my best friend. He would make me every morning go to the other side of the building by myself, and we met in an old nightclub that was shut down, and so... We didn't have enough money to turn the lights on when we didn't need to. And so it was so scary. <laughs> like, being in grade, like, 11. Well, I, I, like, this place is pretty good when the lights are off. But, man, this, this building was, like, it was just terrifying. I did not know if there's anybody hiding around the corner or if a bat was going to swoop out at me. Um, but it, it, was, it was just kind of scary. But every morning at co-op, we would meet together. And right away, he would say, okay, I want you to go to the furthest spot on that side. And I'm going to go to the furthest spot on this side. And it was really just to help me understand that I can pray out loud and I don't have to worry about anybody hearing me. And he said, I want you to get on your face, literally on your face. And I want you to pray for this list of people, which was the people that have attended the youth ministry weekly. Maybe if it was just once or they come every single week. And he said, I want you to pray for one hour, name by name, like it matters. 
every morning. And it, can I tell you, like, it was so awkward. And after like three minutes, I ran out of words to say. <laughs> like, it was just, it was really difficult. But after about two months of doing that, I came to this realization that praying for these friends, for these neighbors, actually mattered. I just want to encourage you, like, when you have a heart for your neighbor, get on your knees, on your face, humble yourself, and pray for them. Pray for them. It's not the creative idea and service that we can come up with here at the church that's going to save them. Jesus does the saving. But if you partner your heart with God's heart, that old song that says, like, God, break my heart for what breaks yours, and you pray for them, something different happens. Like, there's just a switch in our spirit when we are aligned with God's spirit. We need to pray for our friends, for our neighbors. All throughout scripture, the Bible expresses the importance of prayer. Talking to God, prayer, cannot be limited to a habit. It can't be limited to a checklist. It can't be limited to a duty. If we want to love our neighbors, if we want to go and fulfill the great commission that God has placed on his disciples, you and me today, we need to pray for our friends and our neighbors like it matters because it matters. The beauty of all this is really found at the end of the text that we are learning from today in Matthew 28. And Jesus says this to his disciples. I believe he's saying it to you again today. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is what Jesus is saying. Our prayers do not go unheard. Jesus hears them, and he's going to do a good thing with them. As you pray, you're not praying to a, a, uh, some cloud in the sky. As you pray, your prayers do not fall on deaf ears. Jesus hears your prayers, and he's going to do a good thing with them. Pastor Melissa, if you would just come back just to, you know, set the mood, I guess. <laughs> It's really just so we can just focus in. We've, we've been talking about different methods of evangelism. And uh, maybe you did or maybe you didn't. But today we didn't actually focus on like specifics of like, hey, like, so the, the message never changes, but the methods do. So now we're going to like talk about social media and we're going to talk about online church and we're going to talk about cool events that we can do. And we're going to spend lots of money on bouncy castles like I didn't talk about any of those kinds of things. And the reason I didn't talk about them is because six months from now, this message would be completely irrelevant if we just talked about the specific kind of methods because what Pastor Charlie said last week is so true. It's just going to change over and over and over again. And we're going to continue to adapt in a way that serves people here at Bethel and beyond to the best of our abilities. And though I didn't talk about those things, I want to give you a couple of examples for each method. Belong, go, and pray. So belong, if you're a part of Bethel Church and you're not a part of a small group, and I know we harp on this all the time, I just want to ask, would you just consider joining one? If, if, you're, if, if you've been struggling to feel like you belong, I, I would just say, like, don't leave without connecting with somebody here. Put yourself out there a little bit. It's nervous. It could be scary. But do that. If you belong here 
at Bethel Church, you feel like you belong, and maybe you're even a leader, like a small group leader, I'm going to ask you a really tough question. And I know this might go against some of the rules that we've put out about how many people we want in our small groups, in our houses. But can I ask you this? In the past four months since we've started up small groups again, or three months, have you invited anybody to be part of your small group since then? And, and please hear my heart. This is not me trying to pick on you with a microphone of, have you done this? Have you done this? I want to encourage you. Invite somebody to your small group. Like the point is that your small group would get too big that it's got to split into two and then do it over and over and over and over and over again. And it's not so we can be a church that says we have 100% people in small groups. It's so we know that people feel like they belong, that they have a friend here, that there's someone that will, they can rely on and, and talk to and pray for and share a meal with. Here's one that you can do literally today before you leave. And I would think this is the most important one when it comes to the commission and method of belonging. Will you choose to leave this place without meeting somebody new? Or will you choose to take this message and introduce yourself to somebody new today? Will you do that? Like there's a room, there's like at least 200 plus people in the room today. Will you introduce yourself to somebody new at the end of the service, get to know their name, connect with them, and who knows where that friendship will go? I'm not asking that everybody in the room has got to be best friends with each other. Like, my dog would love to be friends with everybody. <laughs> but I know that we have capacity limits, right? I get that. But I just want to encourage you. Would you meet somebody new? Like, don't, please, I don't want to be up here talking for half an hour and then we just don't do anything about it. Like, meet one new person before you leave. It doesn't even have to be a long conversation. 30 seconds. The method of going. Will you connect with your neighbors this Christmas? You've got people all around you. Your street is a mission field. Will you connect with them? Get to know them? Invite them over for coffee? Watch a Christmas movie? Invite them into your life? Share a meal with them? Will you invite your neighbor to our Christmas services at 4 and 6 p.m.? The last one, the method we talked about is to pray. And so as we've been talking for the last number of minutes, if you haven't already heard a name, right now I actually want you to take a moment and I want you to ask God to give you a name of a friend, of a family member. And I don't mean somebody like really far away. I mean like somebody that you can connect with easily. And I, we're gonna, like, I want you to pray for all the people that God puts on your heart, but somebody that's close, a neighbor, a friend that doesn't know Jesus, like personally, they are not a Christian. That name, I want you to take a pen from the chair or you can share with a neighbor if you need to. And you got your sticky note. And I don't have it with me, but my wallet normally looks like George Costanza's wallet. And if you like Seinfeld, it's a funny joke because his wallet is like this thick, which means I just never throw anything out ever. And uh, until I lose that wallet, it's usually filled with names or prayers or scripture verses amongst all of the, you know, receipts that I think I'm going to need, <laughs> which I don't. I want you to take 30 seconds because I don't think it actually takes very long. And for most of you, I think that God's already given you a name. And if this is, I want, to be, I want to be gentle on how I say this, but if it's hard for you, 
to think of a name that you can write down on this piece of paper, that is probably the Spirit's conviction to go, can't be self-focused, others-focused. I don't mean that in a shameful way. Please hear me. But if, if you're having a hard time writing a name down, it's okay. Maybe it comes to you later today. You can take that sticky note with you. So as you've written down that name or you write it down later, I want you to truly commit to praying for this person, this neighbor, this friend. Actually pray for them. I know we've gone a little bit longer today, but I feel like it would be a disservice if we didn't start here together. So just all around, I want you to look at your sticky note. And I just want you to take one minute, just one minute, and I want you to pray for them under your breath, in your head, out loud, whatever it may be. Pray for them just for one minute. Can we start the practice of prayer here together? Because if we can't get it right here, I mean, we're, we obviously have trouble outside here. One minute, and then we'll close. Just to wrap up today's message and thoughts. I want you to imagine next year, 2023, what this church in St. Mary's could look like if we committed to loving and serving our neighbors and praying for them. Imagine if we did that like above and beyond anything we've ever done. And God is pleased, by the way, with how we've served this local church and beyond. We have a great name here in Stratford. Like people are wowed by this church that we would raise thousands of dollars and then just give it all away. People are amazed that we would choose to fill Christmas shoe boxes and send them all over the world. Like throughout the whole year, people, people have taken notice of this name. And I believe that God wants to bring our influence to Stratford and the surrounding areas up a notch. So imagine if we committed to living up a notch. What could happen if we prayed for that person every single day that God would show up in their life in a miraculous way? By the way, you're probably the miracle. (laughs) What if we actually chose in 2023 to connect with them, to learn more about who they are, get involved in their life? How cool would it be if that person that you wrote down on that sticky note in 2023 becomes curious about Jesus? What if they ask you if they can come to your church? You don't even have to invite them. They actually say, hey, can I come with you to church? Man, that would be so cool. That would be so awesome. What if we each were intentional and made sure that every single person that walked in this building felt like they belonged, even before they believed? The goal is that, of course, they would have a relationship with God. I think for 2023, if we choose to invest in one, just one person, just one, God is going to grow his kingdom. Not just the church. God is going to continue to advance his kingdom. He's going to show up in big ways. Take that sticky note, fold it up, put it in your wallet, don't lose it. Every time you open up your wallet and it falls out, that's your clue. Pray for that person. That's your reminder. Maybe stick it over your license unless you get pulled over a lot. Don't do that. 
Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. God, thank you for coming and meeting us again here this morning. God, you're so awesome. God, thank you that you care. Thank you that you are so faithful. God, thank you that you would choose to use somebody like us to advance your kingdom. What a privilege and an opportunity it is, Lord, to partner with you in the mission to see all of your creation come to know you in a personal way. So God, we pray in 2023 that there would be crazy amounts of transformation in this location, in the location to come in St. Mary's and everything in between, God. God, would you do a mighty work? We want to see people saved. We want to see people healed. We want to see people restored, families brought together, divorce off the table, whatever it may be, God. Lord, that you would be glorified, that your kingdom would reign. God, when we think about our kingdom, God, <laughs> just humble us. And Jesus, continue to remind us, and Holy Spirit, equip, empower, and help us to love, to serve, to be committed to praying and investing in that one person, Lord, that you put on our heart this morning. Jesus, we know that your message of love and grace, truth and mercy never changes, but the methods do. But Lord, methods like belonging, going and praying, they're principles that don't change. So help us to live the life you've called us to live. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. We really appreciate each and every one of you being part of this church. You make a difference. I want to leave you with that one thing. Pray for your friends that you wrote down and uh, meet somebody new before you leave. Thanks for being with us. Of course, we've got lots of great things going on, so you can stay tuned online and social media to see all the great Christmas festivities coming up. Thanks again. See you next week. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 